Welcome. It's great to see you guys today. I want to say hello right now to all of our campuses who are tuned in with us as well. Thank you guys for being a part of our services. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars, our, our prison ministry. We love you guys. Thanks for being with us. As well as those who are watching online, we thank you guys for being a part of our services. We're in the middle of a series uh, called When You're Going Through Hell. You know, we've been talking about different things where, when we're going through hell with our family or personally or, you know, different things we're dealing with. But today I want to talk about what do you do when the world's going through hell? When you look around, you're like, every time you get on Twitter, every time you turn on the news, it just seems like there's just nonstop conflict, wars, battles, people are at each other's throats. I mean, man, what do you do? What does that indicate to us? And, and is this, because I'm getting this question all the time, is this the end times? How do you know if this is like, if this is it, right? So that's the question people are asking. There's been talk of World War III potentially, all this craziness. What are we supposed to do with all this crazy stuff going on around us? I want to unpack that today, but I want to encourage you today, before you even get started in any of this, you don't need to live in fear. God is still in control. God has got you in the palm of his hand. Just keep that in mind. But I want to share some things with you because here's a question that even Jesus' disciples asked him. They said this. They said to Jesus, tell us what sign will signal your return and the end of the world. They wanted to know. So they even wanted to know back then, so how much more is this relevant to us today? And so Jesus gave them an answer. Here's how you know when the end of the world is here. So here's how you know when I'm going to come back and take my people home, right? Here's how you'll know. So we're going to dive right into that. How will we know if we are in the end times? I want to give you four simple things found in Scripture to indicate that, and then I want to talk about how should we live if we are in the end times. The first is this. This is in Matthew 24. Jesus said this, And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all that is only, all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. I like how Jesus used the word birth pains. It gives us a great indication that one war is not going to do it, one famine, one earthquake, but rather it's the consistency of them. You know, a couple months back, our daughter-in-law and son called us, our oldest son, and they said, hey, Dad, he said, Marley just had her first birth pain. Like, we're like, oh, she had a contraction. So we happened to be out of town at the moment. We quickly grabbed our gear, packed our bags, and got back to town because we knew once those start, it's just a matter of time until we're going to have a baby, right? So the birth pains was the indication. And what happens with the birth pains? You start off with one, then a couple hours later, you have a second. A couple hours later, you have a third. Then make sure they get down to an hour, then they get down to 30 minutes apart, then 15 minutes apart, then five minutes apart, and then you're about to have a baby, right? So Jesus says, one of the ways you'll know that the end times has come is it's not just an earthquake, but you'll have an earthquake, a natural disaster, a war, a famine, a conflict, and they get closer and closer and closer. In other words, it's the rapidity of them that is the indicator that this may be it, which is why I believe we could be in the end times, because every time you turn on your TV now, Every time you go to Twitter, every time you go anywhere on the internet, look at the news, it seems like every day there's another conflict happening. That's a good indication. So like birth pains that increase the rapidity of natural disasters and conflicts will increase. You know the word it uses here? Jesus uses the phrase, he said, nation against nation. He wasn't referring just to Russia versus Ukraine or the obvious the fact that China's lining up on the border of Taiwan. Clearly they're wanting to take Taiwan back over or obviously the, the battle going on in the Middle East between Gaza and Israel. I mean, I mean, not just that, but nation to nation in the original Greek language means ethnos against ethnos. What that means is every people group, race and tribe and ethnicity will be at each other's throats like a race war, like an ethnicity war, tribal people begin to just say, I don't like you because you don't look like me, because you don't have my background, because you don't worship like I worship. You don't think like I think. And everyone's at each other's throat. Does that sound like any place you know? So we have some pretty good indications, right? 
The second thing is that Christians will be persecuted. Matthew 24 says this, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and even killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So, you know, people right now are watching what's happening with Palestinians that are, that are obviously hating Jews, right? But we forget they call Israel little Satan, but they call America big Satan. Did you know that? They hate us even more. I don't know if you're aware of that, which is crazy. When I see these people in America, you know, like in New York, they were chanting, you know, death to Israel. I mean, it's crazy. They were actually saying gas the Jews. That's unbelievable that, that we're hearing this stuff in America, right? And it's happening in college campuses. It's happening in London. It's happening all over the world. And so, but what's crazy is the people who are saying death to America are Americans. And so it's kind of like, you do realize that if the Palestinians came over and took over us, you'd be the first killed too. They're not putting that together, but that's the case. And so Christians will be persecuted. This is already happening in other parts of the world and other parts of the Western world. Did you know, for example, in certain parts of Europe and in Canada, if you preach the whole Bible, there's certain sections of scripture. If you preach it, you'll go to jail. That hasn't happened in our country yet, but it's coming. And so, but I just want you to know here, whether it's legal or illegal, we're going to preach the truth here. We're not backing off of scripture. We're going to stick to the word. So Christians will be persecuted. The third thing here is this, those who witnessed the rebirth of Israel, this is really crazy, but those who witnessed the birth of Israel, I believe will still be alive when Jesus comes back. And I'm gonna show you the scripture for this. This is a crazy thing right here in the Bible, but I wanna put two verses together for you to show you what some theologians believe. Not everyone agrees with this, but many theologians believe this is why we know we may be in the end times. Let me show you scripture. It says in Isaiah, Isaiah wrote this, by the way, about 2,700 years before today. He wrote this. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. From both east and west, I will bring you together. I will say to the north and south, free my sons and daughters, let them return to, from distant lands. This was written when Israel was already dispersed all over the world. And then a miracle happened after we conquered Hitler, the United Nations, back then they were called the League of Nations, voted and approved and financially supported to bring any Israelite, any Jewish person, wherever they were in the world, that they would on their dime fly them back to Israel and give them funds to reestablish the nation of Israel in 1948. Did you know that? Many theologians believe this is the biggest miracle in history since the writing of the Bible. Because it was said that they will become a nation again, but they weren't at the time this was written. They were already dispersed. They were already, even though they were in Israel, they were already overtaken by other nations. Babylon had already taken them over. I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar, I could go on and on about all the scripture, how many times they were taken and dispersed and sent elsewhere and sent to Egypt and sent all over the world. And yet here we see 1948, they were brought back together. And in one day, May 14th, 1948, they became a nation again. And so did you know in Israel today, they celebrate on May 14th, this is their, this is their independence day. Like we had July 4th, this is their independence day. They celebrate that. Now let's put that with another verse together. Matthew 24, Jesus said this. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. Anytime you see in the Bible the word fig tree, that's referring to Israel. Israel is considered like a fig tree. And so out of the fig tree is fruit. And we are the fruit of the fig tree that we receive Christ and we become a part of God's people. That's how that works. So let's look at the scripture. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree or Israel. When its branches bud, what's bud? That's the beginning. So Israel is birthed from the bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation, as saying the generation that was there at the bud, at the birth of Israel, this generation will not pass from the seed until all these things take place. 
Think about that. That means people who were born in the day that, that Israel was rebirthed will not pass until Jesus comes back. Many theologians believe this. Now, let's just think about that. How many of you guys were born before 1978? I was. Anybody else? How many people were born before 1968? Keep your hand up if you were born from before 1958. Anyone here born before 1948? Several hands. My father was born before 1948. He's of that generation. Israel's birth, rebirth from 1948 to today is now 75 years old. So that means that people that were alive when Israel was reborn will still be alive. That means there's a 15 to 20 year, if you were to take this verse literally, there's a 15 to 20 year window max before Jesus comes back. Does that freak you out? Does that make you go, no way, this is crazy? Which means that in my lifetime or certainly in my children's lifetime, they could see Jesus split open the sky, the trumpet sound, and we're called up to heaven. Now, here's what it's going to look like. This is going to be so cool whenever this happens. I can't wait. I hope I'm alive when this happens because it'll be so cool. It's going to be the coolest thing. It's going to be the coolest day in history. So just think about this for a second, okay? First of all, the Texans won the Super Bowl. That's the first thing. And then right after that, you'll know Jesus is coming back if that happens. So here's what's going to happen, okay? The first thing is that it says the dead in Christ shall rise. That means people that are our loved ones and friends and family who have gone before us are already in heaven. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know they're in heaven. But did you know the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise? That means those who have passed away will go back into their tombs. And then the ground will split open and they will come out in their new heavenly bodies. I want to be somewhere near a cemetery when this happens. That's going to be the coolest thing ever, right? You'll be like, what the heck, Uncle Bob? Look at you. Like, how cool is that going to be, right? And he's going to look amazing. He's a buff. It, you know, he's going to have his heavenly body like, what's up? He's going to be looking great. Like, you're like, Uncle Bob, you've never looked so good. This is amazing. Right? So we're going to come up out of the ground, right? And then we're going to, so we're going to be re reunited with those family and loved ones. I know I'll make a lot of this, but if you've lost someone dear to you, how amazing is this going to be to see them again in that moment? Then, guess what? Then those of us who have accepted Christ will be caught up in heaven. We will literally, we will immediately elevate into the air and meet Jesus in the sky. How cool is that going to be? That's going to be amazing, right? So my plan is to grab two sinners and hold on and be like, either you accept Jesus or I let go. That's my plan. <laughs> so in the sky, we'll meet Jesus, and then he calls us home. Now, here's the good news about that. Is that no matter how crazy it gets, we will not see the worst of it. We will be celebrating in heaven. Isn't that good news? That's great news. So just be encouraged to know that that's what it's going to look like. Now, let me show you another scripture. This is really cool. Nahum said this 2,700 years ago, the prophet Nahum. I'm sure you read the book of Nahum all the time. But check this out. Nahum chapter 2. He describes a prophecy that he didn't even understand himself. But as prophets, whenever God tells them, they write it down. So he wrote something down that even he didn't understand. This is how cool God's prophecy. It was, it was dead on correct and they didn't even know how this was possible, but now we see how it's possible. Let me read the scripture. Nahum, this, this describes what's going to happen in the end, in the end times. The chariots shall be with flaming torches in the day of his preparation. That means the day Jesus comes back. And the fir trees shall be terribly shaken. Fir trees. You ever been in a forest? Those are typically fir trees. They're huge trees that are 30, 40 feet in the air. They're massive. It says it will be terribly shaken. What would shake a fir tree like it was nothing? What would just blow it over like it was nothing? What, what, what would possibly cause that? There's only one thing that could cause that, a jet. Have you ever seen an F-14 or F-15 fly low to the ground? Those are, they're so powerful, they blow a tree over like it's nothing. 
That's the only thing that does that. So he's describing something that they didn't have the technology to even do this yet. But he said, fir trees will be blown over like it's nothing. Then it says, the chariots shall rage in the streets. They shall, they shall jostle one against another in the broad ways. They shall seem like torches. Now, think about this for a second. What would look like a torch unless a chariot had a light on it and it was going very fast? You ever see a car driving really fast at night? What does it look like? With the lights on? It's like a torch. It's like a lightning going by. It's going really, really fast. That's the only kind of technology that would make a light look like a lightning bolt shooting across. It says, it will seem like torches. They shall run like the lightnings. He shall recount his worthies. They shall stumble in their walk. So Nahum is prophesying about technology leading to quote unquote fast chariots is the only words he could describe what God was telling him. What does that speak of today? It speaks of cars, jets, tanks. You know, tanks can literally mow over fir trees now like they're nothing. And think about this also, what looks like lightning flying across the sky? Well, what, what videos have we been watching the last few weeks? Missiles going from Gaza and from Israel back and forth. It looks like what? Like a streak of lightning. So literally Nahum is describing technology that we didn't have until 2,600 years after he wrote this, but now we have it. This is the end time. Now, we don't know if we're within two years, two months, two hours, or two decades. We don't know. But technology is now caught up with the Bible. Isn't that crazy? So this could be seen, and many theologians believe, this is speaking of today's day and time. So the question now is this. How should we live if we are in the end times? I want to be real clear. I don't know exactly when time. I'm not going to say, oh, it's going to happen next week. I don't know. It could happen tonight. It could happen in a year, it could happen 10 years, it could happen 20 years from now. And I know that every generation believed they were in the end times, but God wants us to believe this and live like it now. To live like it's gonna be over. Amen. And so we should be living with that in mind. Every time you get in your car, you should think, this is a fast chariot, this could be it. <laughs> think about that. It changes the way you think, doesn't it? So how should we live in the end times. There are five things the Bible says to do in the end times. The first thing is, seems kind of simple, but it's, it's actually a big deal to God. And that is that we should treat Israel good so that you will be blessed. First Chronicles 17 says, there is no other nation on earth like Israel, the nation you rescued from slavery in Egypt to be your own. God says, Israel's first. It doesn't mean that we're not, we don't have a place in line, but Israel comes first. And as Americans, we don't like that. We're like, wait, I thought we were first. But God says, no, I chose Israel. Now think about those of you who have a problem with that, like, well, why is Israel first? I don't understand. Well, let me ask you something. Which author in the Bible wasn't Jewish? This entire book was written from people from one lineage, right? Who is our savior? What people was he born out of? The first family of Christianity is what? Jewish. They're all from Israel. That's why Israel matters so much to God, is who he chose Jesus to come through, through the Israelites. Genesis 12, he says, I will bless those who bless you. I will place a curse on those who harm you and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. This is why so many Christians, in case you're wondering, were so upset when they heard that in Washington that our government sent $100 million to Gaza. Because what do you think those people are gonna do with it? They are bloodthirsty wanting to kill Israelites, wanting to kill the people of Israel. And, and what they say, this is amazing. I, I was blew my mind. They were like, they literally said this. They, they even know the potential. They said, well, we know they could use it for bad, but we've asked them to use it for good to help with those who are hurting. That's like giving a hundred million, it's like giving a hundred thousand dollars to a crack addict and saying, now don't spend this on drugs. 
What do you think they're gonna do? So they have given us every indication. And so six weeks ago, we unfroze $6 billion to Iran. And surprise, surprise, six weeks later, they send bombs into Israel. Where do you think the money came from? That means we supplied it. So I just, I just wanna challenge you to think differently. And it blows my mind that our government, that they keep trying to answer a religious problem with, with politics, it doesn't work. And so the answer is not, and this is what you hear politicians say. And these are politicians who clearly don't know the word of God or study it. They say, well, we should just have a two-state solution. We should just have a, a Palestinian Israel and a, and a Jewish Israel. That is insanity because you know what they sing? Palestinians literally sing the song. People in Gaza sing the song. They sing, from the river to the sea, we will be free. You know what that actually means? That means from the river, that's the East River on the east side of Israel, all the way to the sea, the west side of Israel, which means that everyone in between, we shall be free. That means they're all dead. That's when we're free. So they don't want a two-party Israel. They, they listen to what they, if, listen, when people tell you who they are, believe them. And when they're saying from their own mouth, we want to kill you, you should believe that. And that's literally what they are saying. So treat Israel good so that we will be blessed. And we need to think about that. That's a warning to our leaders that we should be supporting Israel. And by the way, the mission portion of our offering today is going to Israel because we want to be on the side that supports them. So... Here's the second thing. This is the good news. Live in confidence, expecting Jesus to take you home. Matthew 24 says this, and there will be deep mourning among all the people of the earth, but, 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 but then what? And they will see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, with the mighty blast of a trumpet, they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and from heaven. So it's, listen, it may get a little bad, but guess what? Then God takes us home. Isn't that good news? I want to encourage you. We're, we're not going to see the worst of it. If you know Jesus, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're going to go to heaven. But I want to warn you. I want to let you know about something. This is really scary. But even here in our church and in churches all around the world, this is very scary. There may be a day that you come to church and no one else is here. That you thought you knew Jesus. You knew about him. You even studied him, but you didn't know him. You didn't put your trust in him. You didn't personally ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. You said, my family's Christian. God says, I don't care what your family says they are. Who do you say I am? Have you trusted Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus? Have you personally prayed a prayer and put your personal faith in Jesus? I need to warn you, if you have not done this, if you have not done this, you can still go to heaven. But the only way, according to the Bible, is for you to not take the mark of the beast of the worldwide religion that will take over, that will say either you take the mark on your forehead or on your hand. If you take the mark, then you will not go to heaven. But if you don't take the mark, you refuse it, you will be killed, probably beheaded. That's what the Bible actually says. I really don't want any of my friends or family to go through that. So would you please confirm, would you please nail it down today that you know Jesus? We must make sure that we know Jesus. Live in confidence, expecting Jesus to take you home. And this is a huge one. Be a bold witness to prepare your loved ones for Jesus' return. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure my kids and my grandkids and my family and my friends and those I do, do life with, those who, who, who I'm in Little League with, those who I work out with, those who I hang out with, I want to make sure that they know the Lord. I want to be a bold witness. Matthew 24 says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Can you imagine? You're working in their finery. And you're like, hey, hand me that tool. Thanks. And you're working. You're like, hand me the other and they're gone. What in the, 
Can you imagine you're in this, you're, you're sitting in your college classroom and all of a sudden you're looking down you're, and you listen to the professor, you look up again and the professor's gone and that paper's just floating down and you look around and many people are going, what just happened? Many people will be gone and many people will, be, will still be here. Will you be among the ones who go to heaven? Does that make sense? In an instant, that professor's gone. Well, maybe not the professor. I mean, most of them are probably still going to be here. But I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. I was just, just joking around. But I want to encourage you to know that we will know, like the Texan Stadium will be empty. All the Cowboy fans will still be here, but everyone else will be. Why? I'm just, just kidding. I'm just. Anyway, so. Be a bold witness. Prepare your loved ones for Jesus' return. You know, this is why we're always constantly advertising, doing a bunch of series to invite people, because we, we don't approach the world with this and scare them half to death. You know, come to church, unlimited, you're going to hell. We don't want to scare people. I, I get that. That's not our response, but we're always putting out very inviting series to invite people to, to, to attract them to, to something that their family enjoy, something that's practical, that'll, that'll be something that'll meet their needs. But then we always do what? We always make sure they hear the gospel at the end, that Jesus loves them, that he died for them. Why? Because we want to make sure they're going to go to heaven. You know, this next week where we have got Halloween. I love Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. It's so much fun, right? We have a good time. And we do Candy Palooza every year. It's this huge event. We have candy for all your kids. I mean, you know, it's for the kids. That's right. It's for the kids. But as parents, we need to test the candy before our kids eat it, right? I mean, come on. Amen. That's right. But it's such a fun experience. And we, we, we invite families to come. People get dressed up. You get dressed up. Your kids get dressed up. You come in. We have a good time. And then guess what? We deliver the gospel. We tell them about Jesus. So we invite them. But then it's a little bait and switch, right? Like, oh, come in. We're going to have a good time now that you know Jesus. We want to give everyone an opportunity to receive Christ. Be a bold witness. We want to be an end times front line church telling the world about Christ. Let me tell you, let, let me tell you how serious we are about this. Revelation 7 says this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. Speaking to Jesus, that's the lamb would be Jesus. And it says that every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every language Think about that for a second. Did you know that there are nonprofit organizations that have gridded the entire world? They know every area that's left of people that don't know Jesus. Do you know what they call them? There's a word for it. It's called UUPGs. That's unreached, unengaged people groups. UUPGs. Did you know we already know where they all are? And now the goal is, and there's a group called the Joshua Project. I have a good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, pastor Sam Douglas. Many of you guys know him. Uh, he was a pastor here in town. He's a good friend of mine. We do mission work together. I was just talking to him just the other day about this. Did you know for a fact that we, are, we already know where they all are, and now we're, anytime we meet, reach a new tribal group, that's one less group that didn't know about Jesus, and the closer we get, did you know by 2030, the entire world will know about Jesus Christ? Wow. By 2030, that's the plan. And we're in on that. Did you know that? Did you know that our, our church, not only are we reaching people locally, taking new ground for Christ, like we just did in Portland, Texas, but did you know that also around the world, in Pakistan, we're in one of the most unreached segments of the world, in the Middle East, in, in a predominantly Islamic culture, we are winning people to Christ by the tens of thousands. Your church is a part of that. We are on the cutting edge and ledge, winning people to Jesus. Be a bold witness. And what else should we do? We should be supporting and serving in a church and support financially the gospel being delivered all over the world. Matthew 24, 14 says, and the good news about the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. So God says, before I come back, I'm gonna give everyone 
every tribe, every family, every person an opportunity to hear the gospel. He always makes sure that someone gets a chance. And so I want to challenge you to financially support your local church. Guys, I want to tell you something bold. This may seem bold, but I'm serious when I say this. And I hope this doesn't come across as arrogant. I don't mean it that way. But if I could think of a more evangelistic organization in South Texas to support, I'd quit my job and go work there. But this is, in my opinion, the greatest, most focused evangelistic church in South Texas. That may sound arrogant. I don't mean it that way. I mean, let's do our job. You know what? Things are tight in our church right now financially. You know why? Because we just spent a ton of money to get a building in Portland so we could win people to Christ so we don't take a loan with today's interest rates so more money's not going to a bank but going into the ministry. So we are tight. But guess what? You know what? We just increased our missions even while we're tight. You know why? Because people need Jesus and we're not backing off. We're stepping up. That's our goal. I am not asking you to do what I'm not doing. The Cornelius family is sacrificing like never before. I wanna tell you right now, drive your car a little longer, live in that house a little longer, do the work of God, put, put the gospel first. I wanna challenge you to be willing to sacrifice. Guys, I did not move my family to South Texas where we didn't know a single person 25 years ago for no reason. We did it because Jesus demanded us do the work of God and win as many people as we can to Christ. We want to make all, wherever we have locations, we want those to be cities that are the hardest places in the world to go to hell from because we're here, because we're telling people about Christ. But you know what the average church is doing? They're sitting there focused on God alone and on worshiping him and not inviting anyone else to join him. And that's telling the whole world, go to hell. And we're not gonna do that here. We're not flipping off the world. We wanna invite the world in so they can find Jesus. We're called to do that. Serve and support financially the gospel. I am asking you to sacrifice. I am asking you to step above and beyond. And we're doing the same thing in our family. Will you do it? Will you join me in that? Will you step up and do your part as well? God has called us to make a difference. And the last thing I want to tell you this is really obvious, but we're on a countdown. We don't know what the countdown looks like. I don't know if we've got 100 years or 10 years or 10 months but this is what I do know. God gave us these words. In fact, you know, you know, the Bible actually says that even Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. Only the father knows. And one day when he sees the whole world getting witness to Jesus, God's going to look over at Jesus and say, now's the time. Let's go. He's going to turn to Jesus and say, let's do this. And Jesus is going to get up, take off his heavenly robes. And he's going to come back. and He's going to take us home. We don't know when that's coming, but it could be any day. It could be any day. It could be tonight. What does that mean for you and me? It means that now is the time to seize the moment in your life in every area, not only spiritually, but in all the dreams God put in you, God says, this is it. Guys, I'm gonna tell you right now, this is not a dress rehearsal, this is your life, start living it. Start doing what God put in your heart. Get that stuff out of you now while there's still time. It says in Ecclesiastes 11:4, it says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. What are you waiting on? It's time to step out in faith and do the things God told you to do. You know, some, some people live in Sunday aisle, Someday Island, which is someday I'll, someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. Oh, one of these days I'm gonna go back to school. Why don't you start now? We don't know how long how we have. One of these days I'm gonna buy a house or a rental house. Why don't you start now? One of these days I'm gonna take my family to Europe. Why don't you start now? One of these days I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna start that business. I'm gonna write that book. What has God put on your heart? Now is the time. Seize the moment. Seize the moment. Ephesians 5 says, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. And in John 15, it says, I have chosen you and appointed you to, to, to what? To do what? Bear fruit. Fruit means get results. In early 1900, near Beaumont, Texas, there was a, a farmer that he had ran out of money. His, his crops didn't come in and he was broke and he thought, I'm gonna lose my farm. 
So he was trying to be smart. So he thought, I'll sell a portion off of my land to pay off some debts and hopefully we can keep the farm. So he called some friends and just said, hey, I'm selling my land. He called some bankers, different people, different businessmen who thought they may be interested in this opportunity to sell off a portion of his land. And one of them said, hey, hey, before you sell off your land, I have some friends who are in the oil business. Why don't you let them come on your land and you sign a lease agreement that if they strike oil, you get a portion of that. He thought, well, I mean, I'm gonna either lose the land or, or maybe this could work to save it. So he thought, sure, I, I, I normally wouldn't do that. I really don't like an oil derrick on my land, but if we have oil, that'd be great. It would set us free financially. So he agreed, he signed the paperwork. They came and they began to dig a well on his land. And when they did, they set up the oil, der oil derrick. When they finally struck oil, the oil came out with such fierce rapidity. It came out of the ground so fast, it broke the oil derrick. And before they could cap the oil well and control it, 100,000 barrels of oil came out within days. And the greatest oil discovery in American history called Spindletop was discovered. He immediately, he and his family, immediately became multimillionaires in 1900. Wow. What would that be worth today? But here's my question for you. Did they become multimillionaires when they discovered the oil or were they already multimillionaires and they just didn't know it? Wow. Here's what I want to tell you. God brought me here today to say, this is your time. This is your moment and there's more in you. There is more in you. It's time to uncap your gifts. It's time to uncap your calling. It's time to uncap your potential and do what God has put on your heart to do. Now is the time to live your life, to step out in faith. What are you waiting for? Some of you said, God, I, one day I'm gonna give a large gift. God says, are well, you gonna wait till after I return to give it? You're gonna wait till after the kingdom of God doesn't advance because of it? Or are you gonna give it beforehand? Oh God, I know God's calling me to step out and start a small group. Well, you're gonna wait till after Jesus comes back? I'll start one in heaven, I guess. Or are you gonna do it now? One day I'm gonna start that business. One day I'm gonna step out and, and, and advance my career. I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna finish school. I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna witness to my good friend. I'm gonna step out and do what God told me to do. When are you gonna do it? Today's the time. Now is the moment. You say, I just visited church for the first time and this guy's coming at me. That's God. He's giving you a wake-up call. He loves you enough to tell you. He loves you enough to get in your face and say, I love you, to tell you, don't die with your gifts still in you. Don't die with your dreams still in you. Now is the time to advance. God calls his people to step out in faith and take the risk. Now is your moment. Now is your time. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we take a moment to pray. My prayer is that this is a wake up call for the church to be the church, for us to be the people of God, for us to be the difference makers, for us to be the risk takers. Why? Because we're different. Because we know the Lord. And one day he's gonna call us home. Every head bowed, every, 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 everyone praying right now. Have you given your life to Jesus? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me across all of our campuses? Those who are online with us right now. You can pray this prayer out loud. You can just say this prayer. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Do you mean this? Do you mean this? This is it. This is what, this is what does it. This is what makes sure you have a place. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, I need you. Come in my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I believe you died for me on the cross. And I believe you rose again. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Every head bowed, your eye closed. If you just gave your life to Christ, 
stick your hand up in the air boldly right now. No one's looking around. Just stick your hand up. If you just gave your life to Jesus, there are hands going up all across our campuses from the front to the back. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Rodfield. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Portland. Rockport, Fulton, Padre Island. Hold that hand high. We see your hand. You've given your life to Christ. Praise God. Hold that hand high. Hold that hand high. Praise God. Those of you online, you can let us know by the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. You're in our prison ministry. Write us a letter. It takes a little longer. It's okay. You write us a letter. We're going to write you back. You let us know if you gave your life to Christ. Praise God. We praise God for your decision. You gave your life to Jesus today. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in your house. Thank you, God, for those who just gave their life to Christ, who know that they know that they know that when you come back, they will meet you in the air. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, God, for those of us today who have been jolted, who have been shaken, who have been woken up that the time is now. May we give our best gifts. May we live our best life. May we sacrifice. May we step out in faith. May we risk for the kingdom of God. May we become